0: Hello from my house to yours. Welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am joined by economist Marco Annunziata to chat a little bit about how we see the economy in 2023 and how that might affect the manufacturing space. Marco, thanks so much for talking to me. It's been a while since we chatted on camera. I've been reading your work a lot recently and it just feels like Everybody should be because everybody needs to keep up with what's going on in the economy. And it is extremely unclear. Are you able to see through the fog and give us an idea of what you think is going to happen this year?
1: I feel it's a great, great pleasure to catch up again. And yeah, there is a lot of fog to look through. I think I can offer some some light and mm-hmm. for your audience for anything anybody who's interested I'm on Substack at just think mm-hmm. but let me tell you what what worries me or what I see about the economy it's the following I think we're still fixated on demand side issues which is not changed from two years ago. Now, since two years ago, we've gone through the pandemic, we've gone through supply side supply chain disruptions, and all the discussion on inflation, and a lot of talk about inflation. Now, a lot of talk of inflation coming down, but all of it is still based, the discussion is still focused on what can the central bank do? What should the government do? Is the government doing enough? Is the central bank doing enough now in terms of tightening interest rates? There is a fixation on the demand side. And we don't look at the supply side of the equation, which to me means two things. Productivity, which links to investment and innovation that you and I have discussed many times before. Mm-hmm. And uh, workforce, talent, uh, access to skilled labor, which again is going to become a more and more important constraint as, as we go forward.
0: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think that's definitely true when I look at the general economy. It's interesting that when we look at the potential for downturn or even recession, now we are constantly talking, still talking about demand, where we've been an industry that's actually been entirely impacted by supply for the last two the last two years we've been um impacted through the pandemic and then we've had the most stunning um picture of a bullwhip effect that we've that we've ever witnessed so we're still we're still seeing that and even as supply eases perhaps because there is a softening in demand there there are many many pockets in manufacturing where where supply is is constraining us so i think there's a there's a huge impact there you talked about kind of reliance on the on the on the fed and trying to figure out what what impact their efforts are having do you think it is one of those situations where they're just tinkering and the economy will do what what it will or do you think that they're actually having an impact it feels like in the us they they think they've already won It does look that way, doesn't it? Especially after the the latest
1: press conference we saw in February by the Fed Chair Powell. It feels like, and I can understand the Fed in the sense that, They've done quite a bit. They've increased interest rates by over four percentage points, starting from zero. But you know, four percentage points, which is quite a lot. So they feel rightly like they have moved. They've done a lot, and uh, during the same time frame, headline inflation has come down from nine percent to six percent. It's a good good decline. Though we're still three times their target, but uh, I. At the same time, what's interesting is that you can see why the Fed wants to believe that the job is done because they've raised interest rates by quite a bit, but unemployment in the U.S. is still at a 50-year record low, 3.5%. Stock market has recovered. So the Fed is looking at this and thinking, hey, maybe it's like magic. Maybe we're so lucky that we get inflation down to target with no recession, no increase in unemployment, and essentially very little pain in asset prices in financial markets. And you can understand their desire to believe this. However, when you look at the tightness of the labor market, the fact that Because of the way financial markets have rallied, so asset prices have increased, market interest rates have come down. If you look at financial conditions indexes, which measure financial conditions overall, they are back at the levels of the beginning of the year. So in terms of how financial conditions are, it's as if the Fed had done Nothing, which mm. makes me worry that inflation, once it gets to four five percent, it might stay there for quite a bit. So I understand why the Fed wants to feel like
0: they've done their job and it's the war is over, but it's mm. not. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know, some of us remember when four and five percent inflation was kind of okay and it was it was kind of the norm but those were days when interest rates flirted with double figures quite often so it's it's a very different economy when i look at it specific to the businesses particularly in the electronic manufacturing services space they've had their own little um economic impact going on where the shortage in the supply chain has drawn a huge amount of capital um, from the balance sheet into working capital. So a big swelling of inventory, a big swelling of work in progress. That was done on the back of very cheap money, and now money is much more expensive the hope is that in the last quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year, money will move back in the other direction. But I'm not sure how quickly that that is going to happen. How how do you think those EMS companies, those CEOs, CFOs, should be tackling that? Do you see a situation where they most of them will will openly admit they've doubled their their uh, capital in inventory? Do you see that easing back or Do you see it being much slower in easing much as it is in the general economy?
1: I think it will be slow in the easing. I think the adjustments we will see right now will be slow, both in terms of adjustment in inventories, but also in terms of reacting to the changes, the fluctuations in the cost of capital. And I think it's because there is still a lot of uncertainty in the economy. There is uncertainty as to what will happen to inflation. Therefore, there is uncertainty as to what we will see happening to demand conditions, and what we'll see happening to the cost of capital. So I would expect the EMS CEOs to move very cautiously to adjust, but adjust gradually and slowly, and to focus increasingly on anything they can do to increase productivity through innovation. Right, And this takes mm-hmm. us back to the first point you raised Phil, which was the difference between putting the emphasis on demand and the emphasis on supply and the last point you made on on the cost of capital and the role that cheap capital has played over the last several years and it's interesting you know one of the pieces i wrote recently was about uh, is famous MIT economist Olivier Blanchard who has brought back to the fore this idea of secular stagnation mm. which is a fancy idea dreamt up by economists uh, back in the 1920s and 30s and then revived more recently. But essentially it says that you can be in a situation where the only problem you have in the economy is the lack of demand. A situation Hmm. where interest rates are extremely low because there is an an abundance of savings. Everybody's saving too much, especially if populations are getting older, they're saving too much. And so the only problem is how do you stimulate demand in a situation where people are not consuming and they will always save more and more and more? Hmm. And that is, it's that mentality that has brought us uh, to an enormous buildup of debt at the government level but also to some extent in the corporate sector over the last 10 years, given the low cost of capital. And now you see how misguided these ideas are. First of all, in terms of uh, the abundance and the cost of capital going forward. And I think this is very important for EMS CEOs and CEOs beyond the EMS industry, because uh, thinking of what this secular stagnation theory supposes, which is that as populations get older, people know that they need to save more for retirement and therefore they hmm. save more and more. It sounds reasonable except for the fact that you also have more older people and they don't work so they don't save. But I just asked myself, is it happening? Right, You and I know we have countries like mm-hmm. Italy, where the populations has been getting older for many, many years, yeah. Japan is the same. So I went to see the data. No, you look at Japan, Italy, savings, savings have been going down and the same thing in Germany, the same thing in almost yeah. every advanced economy. And if you move that forward, that means that companies in the AMS industry and beyond, need to take into account that the cost of capital will likely be higher, the availability of capital will likely be more difficult to get. And therefore, the investment will need to be a lot more focused and targeted and targeted to generating as many as much of productivity improvement as possible.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think that's really interesting. And it's kind of it's kind of a, a reality check when I look at the private equity market, uh, venture capital market. It's been very free with with cash because cash has been very cheap, and it's it's almost like they just flick a switch and they and they go from abundance to to extreme caution uh, overnight. So I think I think that's that's a a really curious situation. When I look at the EMS industry, I had a bumper year in 20, 2022. I spoke to a few CEOs in the last quarter and talked about softening demand. Not that many have seen it. Obviously, if they are seeing it, it's in very consumer-driven segments rather than any industrial um, segments or certainly not in um, military, uh, aero kind of segments. Um, So it's very segmented. But one of them talked to me about this perfect scenario. And I'll I'll explain this scenario to you because I think it's really interesting. The idea that demand softens, The supply chain improves. He gets to fulfill all his backlog. He's got enough backlog in his order books that if demand is lower in 23 than 22, he'll still have a modest increase in turnover, Mm -hmm. and he will have a much more... um, focused business by the end of 2023, when the market lifts up again. Now, obviously, he's looked at what is the ideal situation. But I think it's a really interesting scenario that they feel that these backlogs, um they they give them confidence, but they also, it also feels like something that many believe will see them through any, any potential downturn. My worry is that some of those backlogs are people placing orders because where they used to do projections, they now have to do purchase orders because otherwise they can't book the components and they can't book the spots. So there's that concern. And then the other concern is, is there a an, a dangerous inventory overhang where they've paid two, three X for inventory they couldn't get? Um, and maybe that inventory is going to struggle to find its way into product because of either redundancy or because there's much cheaper inventory in the market how do you see that inventory challenge playing out as as that kind of bullwhip comes to the end
1: I think the the dream scenario you kind of described and, I, and I've also heard it from other people in, in related industries
0: I mm. think it has a
1: decent chance of playing out because uh, partly because of what you were saying that is uh, the backlog of orders to some extent is real. To some extent, as you were saying, it's because people need to order. They can't just make Hmm. projections and and place orders. Otherwise, but the, the... The other thing we're seeing is that the slowdown in demand so far is very gradual. So we're not seeing any collapse in the economy in the US or in Europe. In fact, the latest growth data have been better than expected. So, so far, the scenario where the softening of the economy is gradual. So if you're in an EMS company... Yeah, demand is a bit softer, but the backlog of order still materializes, and so it carries you through. I think that has a good chance of coming through. The challenge for me, though, is how do you look through this and say, okay, this will see me through the, this this first phase of the downturn, but how do I use it to put my business on a more sustainable basis going forward? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can do to anticipate or to mitigate the volatility that might come back? Because it's the volatility that we've left behind that Mm -hmm. created enormous disruption in the industry. So I think... uh, It's good to think positive and to think that we can have a very, very easy scenario ahead, so to speak, but that should be a a challenge and a spur to think, okay, how do I use it to really put my business on a more sustainable basis so that I can be more agile and more profitable as we come out of this cycle?
0: Yeah, you used exactly the right two words there, agile and sustainable. And I think that's what a lot of CEOs are looking at and looking at what investments are they going to make this year to make them more agile and sustainable. Meanwhile, there's geopolitical impact. There's a trend to perhaps shorter supply chains, which results in some reshoring. And there's a real concern that the the brakes might be put on reshoring through talent problems. So we've seen some really strange hiring and firing in the last six months, particularly in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so redundancies of a lot of 20 and 30-somethings on six-figure salaries um, that expect to have a kombucha bar and uh, and, and really good cappuccino and a ball table wherever they work. That those twelve thousand people that Google let go, the x thousand people that Twitter let go, are they going to find their way into other industries, or are there other software companies that are going to pick them up? And will that have any correction in the labour market? Because when I talk to particularly smaller EMS guys and capital equipment guys, they're saying, well. We can't we can't get the operator staff, the forty-fifty thousand dollar a year um operators, but we can get, you know, hundred and thirty thousand dollar um software engineers. So there's really a mis- mismatch in talent at the moment.
1: I think you is a very interesting point. And I think it's something that will lead to some rebalancing and some adjustment. Let's think first of all, what this uh, contraction in some of the most famed tech companies in Silicon Valley is telling us. I think it's telling us that, uh, and and I'm saying this, you know, my perspective. I come from the digital industrial perspective, so I'm very biased towards digital technologies that are actually useful within an industrial manufacturing context. So my view is that we have finally realized that the companies like Google, like Facebook, Twitter, we've looked at them, we talked about them as tech companies. They are essentially media and advertising mm. companies and little else. And they have the business model of a media company. And I think all of a sudden with this uh, contraction in the in capital that we've seen recently, investors have woken up to this reality. and uh, so these are the companies the big companies that no longer have uh, the unlimited budget capacity and therefore have to let the people go. Now, this brings me back to the experience we had when I was with G and we were trying to build a digital industrial business. One of the challenges we had is that for software talent, we could not compete with people like Google or Facebook. And I'm thinking, okay, companies that now are trying to bolster their software capabilities in the industrial world, now they have a shot. Now they have a chance of really picking up some software talent and bolstering their capability. And I think that is extremely, extremely positive for pushing mm-hmm. this digital industrial innovation. What it will not do is the other point you were making, which is it will not help companies find the qualified skilled labor that they need for the classic manufacturing $50,000 a year position. And Mm -hmm. that is a bigger problem that unfortunately has been brewing for quite a while. And that companies still struggle to address this labor, this talent shortage, this skills gap. And it's something that eventually will, I think will be fixed with some adjustments in the education system, letting young people know that there are some fantastic job opportunities in these Mm -hmm. sectors and giving them the, the right skills and combining it with some more, technological tools that can help workers learn more quickly on the job and can automate parts of the jobs. So it's going to be a combination of innovation on the work floor and innovation in the classroom that I think will help fix that part of the gap.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, Marco. And I think what we were talking about earlier, um, be- before we got on camera, the whole chat GPT thing and the whole idea of co- AI co-piloting in in certain roles in, in in manufacturing, in in new product introduction, in design and all those kind of things, will will make some of those jobs more more interesting and perhaps change that dynamic a bit. And uh, uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the labor market. I think. Challenging times ahead, but I agree with you when I look at manufacturing, the impact of some reshoring, the growth of electronics in more and more products, particularly in in automotive, bodes well for the electronic manufacturing sector. And if they do see um, a challenging year, I see it as being you know, drawing back from the double-digit growth they had in 2022 to something that's maybe low, low single-digit or flat. And I think most EMS CEOs and CFOs would be happy with that in 2023.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think there is a
0: realistic target. Yeah, I think there's that... that um, I. W- I often use the term cautious op- optimism, but this year I think it's curious optimism. I think people are, are are unsure, but they feel reasonably optimistic. So I think that's good. And I think the idea that they take the opportunity to make their business more more agile and more sustainable is good for the industry, good for the planet and, and good for just about everybody. So uh, let's hope they do that. Marco, always it's an it's- absolute pleasure to chat. Likewise, Thanks so for likewise. Time.
1: Thanks, Phil.